Welcome to another edition of the Fontenelle Family Podcast. I'm Joe Gangwish. It's been a while since we visited with you last. It's been a challenging and uh, long-growing season with, with uh, lots of replants and the severe weather we've had, but we're back with you. Going to get with Chris Anderson, our technical agronomist for the Fontenelle brand here in just a little bit, but we want to remind you to go to iTunes or to Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, and you can listen to past episodes catch up on where we've been and uh, maybe a little bit on where we're headed as well and if you uh, of course need any more information on the fontanelle brand catch up with us on twitter facebook and of course at fontanelle.com all right chris anderson is our guest this time around for the fontanelle family podcast everybody in nebraska in fontanelle knows you chris and you're you're known and loved, let's say, around the organization and the brand, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> but we appreciate you taking some time out to, to visit with us. And, uh, you know, for maybe some of those people that, that didn't have you uh, initially as an agronomist, uh, give us some of your history. What uh, Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Some of your work history, things like that. So, I, Joe, I grew up on our, our family farm at Guide Rock, Nebraska, and still the family still farms there so i still get to sneak down there now and then good and see what's good area right it's good and dry <laughs> that's right it's a good and dry area so no um grew up there on the family farm uh, a lot more cattle than farming but we got you know some dry land farm acres as well and then uh you know before i went into the seed business i actually worked for farmland and then aurora co-op at the time um once farmland went bankrupt so finished my career of that at aurora co-op and uh, at that time um a co a previous co-worker of mine and i went off and were involved with circle seed and uh that as you know got bought by dennis kruger which was part of kruger seed and uh for Kruger Seed, we were FSRs, just like you are, Joe. And they didn't have an agronomist out here, so that meant I was the agronomist and FSR both for Nebraska and <laughs> got things done. Um, then Kruger got bought by Monsanto as part of the ASI group. And uh, when re-footprinting happened, what, six, seven years ago, somewhere in their time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Due to me being a Kruger employee in Nebraska, it got re-footprinted to Fontenelle, and there you go. Now I'm a, a TA for Fontenelle ever since that time, and enjoy what I do. It's you know great to work with all you FSRs and all our good dealers and customers we've got. It's a it's a great job, so yeah. enjoy that. Well, we're we're lucky to have you certainly, and and plug your family a little bit because. They're a good support factor for you, and, and you're a, a, a new grandpa here the last year or so. I am. I've got my wife, Neely, and, and two girls, Courtney and Lexi. Um, Courtney, she's been graduated from college a few years now, and she she married a ranch kid from Thedford and uh, moved up there with him after they got married, and, and like you said, had a baby boy here a, a year and a half ago or so, But uh, so I've got a grandson, Lane, but uh, he keep but then uh, since then they've actually got a chance to move to Hastings and she teaches here at Hastings High now the last couple of years so that keeps Lane a lot closer to grandma so everybody's a lot happier <laughs> 
All right, so you mentioned the, the transition to Fontenelle. I think you've certainly enjoyed it, haven't you, these last few years? Because you're doing a good job at it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it was a transition that was easy, like I said, because I was doing a lot of it before with Kruger, and the, it was nice to not have that both roles in play, I guess you could say, Joe, and really focus on what you like doing. And, you know, it's a lot of people say, how do you put up with the miles and the hours and it's not tough miles and hours if you enjoy what you're up to while you're out there doing it. And granted, every job has its days. And boy, you know that when it's 105 and corn's <laughs> pollinating, it's one of them days. But uh, like you know today, the, yeah. yeah, you know the you know the time will pass eventually, and you'll get your pickup vacuumed back out, and you won't have an inch of pollen on the armrest and seat with you every time you crawl in. Right, so. right, yeah. As we visit with you today, it's uh, 90s plus. Uh, here at your home in Hastings, but uh, let's talk about and get into some things that I'm sure uh, folks are wondering about. Just uh, this growing season, we, uh, I mean, yields are going to be all over the place this year, don't you think? They are, and I mean, this growing season has gave us every gamut of it from the start, Joe. Um, we started out excessively dry. Um, every area of the state went into it essentially with no moisture in our profile, and most guys planted in, you know, extremely hard, dry ground because we just didn't have any freeze thaw last winter because we have no moisture to freeze it. Um, guys were destroying cover crops that didn't come up. You know, guys were dealing with the continuous winds we had last spring. You remember the winds? I mean, it was just oh, they were horrible. Yeah, and that residue was so dry it was moving every day. It would move one way and then the other and. And guys are, what do we do with this, you know, to try and get a seed bed put together and not have that move right back on top of it. So, you know, the challenges started right off the bat. Some guys got aggressive and planted out there with the old theory of planting dust, the bins will bust. And, you know, once they got out there and started running, if they hadn't previously done some strip till or something, a lot of them found out that ground was pretty hard. Um, some yeah. of them even pulled out and stopped and said, we're mm-hmm. going to wait for a rain before we start planting again because it, we're just not doing justice to it. We had seed depths all over the board. Mm-hmm. Planters were bouncing. Out. I mean, it, it, it just wasn't a great deal. Um, then, really, we got a few fortunate rains. It wasn't a lot of rain, but we got a little bit of moisture and softened that ground up, gave, gave guys a decent planting bed. And... They were planting a little later than they wanted to be, but they finished up planting and it was pretty good conditions. Um, crops were all up and going good. Guys put beans early. They were up and going good. And what happened in there towards the middle or end of May, Joe? <laughs> About the middle or end of May, we had a cold snap with a frost. That was yeah. the first one that came You off. bet. That was, the, <laughs> that was the start of the rolling punches this yeah. spring. You know, we had everything up and looking great. And, man, did it get cold that night. And then some of the low ground... It was in Lots the 20s of, in spots, wasn't it? It was, and a lot of guys experienced, you know, frozen crops like they had never witnessed, you know, especially some of the younger guys, and and definitely got to a lot of the soybeans that were up because they were, you know, by that late May time, they were up and moving good. Um, and a lot of areas had to go back in and totally replant some really low fields or patch back into all the others. And no sooner did we get done doing that, patching back in than, Seems like if we got a rain this year, Joe, rain came with a storm, you know, mm-hmm. and it was either wind or hail or both or or torrential rains, you know, that uh, tried to get us up to our average rainfall, but they all come in, you know, half an hour, so it does us no good. And that first one came with 
a lot of hail and a lot of wind and yeah. it was over broad broad areas mm-hmm. and you know things that were up and doing good and the beans that were just coming back up you know after that replant were at a very you know fragile state in their time and a lot of them got cut completely off and there those guys were starting to replant round two you know yeah yeah and you know there's a lot of guys that thought how would i ever plant a field this third time you know so people got to know their fields pretty good this spring after multiple <laughs> trips across them. It was right. like a stock car race. You know, they'd pull in for fuel and tires and go back out to the same mm-hmm. fields and hit her again. But, uh, you know, we were finally able to get crops in. You know, we had a couple more hailstorms, a little bit more replant. And luckily, most of the time, it wasn't the same guys on the second round. Um, some guys left a lot of pretty thin corn, you know, and... Some of that corn didn't pollinate the best because of the way the it was affected and the stand it was left with it and the variance in plant height and plant stage or plant stage. So lots of variance there in some of that hailed corn and it's not going to be stellar. Now you get out of that and any fields that weren't affected, if it was irrigated and and guys were on top of water and you know because boy, you can't buy a rain in most spots. There's going to be some decent irrigated fields. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's a lot of variability in them too, especially with, you know, fertility and anything that froze and, you know, all them other pieces, that's the limiting factor that's going to show up. Yeah. So. And we can get into specific products here later, but uh, a lot of the corn that, that you've chosen, I mean, you, you chose it for us, Nebraska heat, and we're finally getting the heat that we traditionally have gotten. Uh you know, if it's irrigated, it's looking pretty good. It is, you know, and even how some of this dry land is hanging on as long as it is, Joe. You know, it's, you know, I think through products, and you said we'll talk about them later, but I think of one, it's 13D843. You know, the, if anybody that, that knows Fontenelle, you know. Has uh, grown that nomen, probably. <laughs> nomenclature. They know that the the last digit is the year it was released, and uh-huh. it, it sure wasn't twenty twenty three because that's, that's coming right. up next year for us, Joe. So, you know, we're dealing with a a twenty thirteen product that came out the year after what twenty twelve, and that's fresh in everyone's mind still mm-hmm. how bad twenty twelve was, and that one came out of that as a rock star. So there's no wonder it's really looking good again this year. So yeah, um, definitely still got the the stress you know, handling abilities that it did then and it's shining through. So corn irrigated, you know, probably gonna probably gonna do pretty well. What about beans? I mean beans it seemed like they kinda slowed down a little bit and then uh but we got some nicer looking bean fields now. What are, I mean you've seen the whole state of Nebraska virtually. What what do you think on beans this year? So beans took you know, the last couple of years we've noticed it took them forever to get growing <laughs> in the spring. Um, and shade rows, I mean, it seems like they set and set and set and never get shade in them rows. Uh, they finally, you know, took off. And like you said, a lot of the irrigated fields look pretty good. Um, any, what I call, you know, limited irrigation fields, those are having trouble keeping up now that we're at the point where we're, you know, really starting to fill those pods and those beans are taking a lot with no profile those fields are starting to show stress on these hot, windy days. Um, uh, and the dry land, every soil type that's not 
ultra perfect is showing it bad and the others are on next week's calendar to look the same way if we don't buy a rain soon yeah so yeah that's right and we did that little facebook video on uh the volunteer corn but uh what what what's your thoughts on why volunteer is so bad this year you know volunteer like i said in that if you keep seed dry it'll last a long time dry and cool you can keep you know things well in shape and there was nothing that you know we had no moisture all winter for that seed to imbibe and you know essentially we had no heat to make it think it even wanted to germinate until spring when it was ready to so with no moisture and no you know heat to speak of after it got until after it got moisture it was perfect it was just like we planted it out there and you know we went into last fall and stuff got dry at the end and you know any kind of shelling at all in the head those kernels just stayed out there perfectly preserved for us joe and we got a bumper crop over this spring so and what was your uh, what was your point at the end of the video tell us tell us that you got some volunteer corn in your beans you know it's the the point i like about it is is at least we're going to get 15 bucks for a little bit of our corn joe but uh <laughs> no it, all kidding aside it, it it is a pest that a guy should control as good as you can and i know guys struggled with it this year you know every bit of antagonism fought guys through it and if you're paying somebody to spray it versus running your own that antagonism you you would rather up the chemistry and try and beat the antagonism but um two passes definitely by the the, the choice to control volunteer corn and we really need to control it because it's a great harbor for rootworm you know they they you know hone in on that you know late fresh silk and pollen out there and they just get loaded you go look at a lot of them plants and they've just been loaded with rootworm and they harbor it out there and because most guys that you know are in a 50 50 bean rotation it seems so it's not traded you know volunteer out there and it's nothing but a host to propagate a bunch of eggs in that circle out there. And a year from now, we'll have little hot spots of, of rootworm out there in the corn. So, yeah. you know, you really need to think about how we treat, you know, fields going into this after this, because otherwise we could really have a rootworm mess. So, yeah, well, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip over uh, uh, forages and, and just, just talk about weeds. I mean, it's another terrible year for Palmer. Yeah. You know, it, no different than fighting the corn we we fought weeds from the beginning and uh we mentioned talking about bean growth the lack of row coverage and shade to help us you know beat those and it we finally got that shade but we were at or just past the the spray window for dicamba in a lot of those and and list still had the option to spray up through r2 but you know it got to the point once we got those hot dry days joe the weeds hardened off and boy you couldn't kill them with an axe this year it didn't matter if you had the you know the label to spray or not you weren't going to kill those weeds and i mean the name of the game for it is is beat them pre because everybody that had a great pre-program or or still has the you know 
option of cultivating and hilling those beans. Those beans are beautiful. Not yeah. a weed in them. Um, so it may be, you know, be bringing the iron back out for some of those guys or, or you know, be real diligent on that pre-program because if you never let them come up, they're pretty easy to kill. That's right. So. That's right. So the good uh, Kurt would like this and any of our chem guys uh, use, uh, use a good pre with your, your bear program. Get those weeds you bet. killed. You bet. <laughs> All right. So let's kind of quickly compare it to 2021 because how can you do better than a year last year we had a record record beans record corn yields you know we did and are we going to see those high yields this year i you know i never count the chickens before they're hatched you know but uh we will see a few good fields this year not nearly to the extent we did a year ago because so many variables came into play and so much mother nature throwing curveballs at us we're never going to see that kind of averages by far this year, but are we going to see some good ones? You bet we will. So, yeah. um, all we can do is look forward to 2023 and have a great game plan in place to get there. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, what are some of your favorite corn products right now, especially on a, another hot year like this year? 13 G has got to be one, right? It is Joe 13 G 519. It's going to have a phenomenal year again where it's, you know, under irrigation looks great. I mean, it's anybody that knows the plant stature of that. It's a moderate statured plant, but the leaves on that baby are twice as wide, it seems, as normal corn. And it's been soaking up all this sun we've been giving it. And boy, it put her in. There's lots and lots of fields of 2022 rows of kernels on them, Joe. Um, looking really good. Um, and as you would expect, you know, 18D, you know, a new launch a year ago. Yeah, 118 day loves heat and it's getting all at once this year mm-hmm. in, in the fields that weren't affected by storms it's looking really really good uh you know other ones that are looking good 15a410 it's gonna have another banner year uh, 11dt is gonna have a banner year mm-hmm. again um, both of them have been you know really good looking right out of the gates and just stayed that dark black all summer yeah. um, look like they're gonna have a great great run um, like we mentioned, the old 13D843 for guys that have any kind of soil variability and, and any stress involved. If they've got it in their farm, and they probably do, um, <laughs> it's going to be really good corn again. So. How, how long is that going to stick around? I mean, it, it's still doing well, but you hate to to burn it out. But, man, it, it's been good. Usually, you know looking back through all the corns I've worked with through the years, lots of times traits took them out before they really took themselves out. But you get before we had traded corn, Joe, and it would not usually last 10 years. So I can't think that something's going to come along and stop it here shortly. Um, and the fortunate thing for us is we've got a portfolio depth that's just phenomenal to follow right up behind it with and, and never miss a beat in that. So. Yeah, we're pretty lucky in that standpoint, but <laughs> it's still guys' favorite because it's never not worked for them, so they keep her around. Shorter season? What do you like? Still the two forty nine, right? Oh nine. Oh ninety two forty nine. Great product. Um, especially as you go east, guys love love two forty nine. Around here, they put it on irrigated. It does well. Um, some good dry land does really well. Uh, it's companion 09G219. You know, a lot of guys have experienced it. And a lot of guys don't know, but that was bred at Waco, Nebraska. And uh, it came out of the breeding program there. And I tell you what, it hit the ground running and it's been phenomenal. Um, if you can, you know, it's not one that is tough to get a good stand on, but, you know, just like always, you get it. Mother Nature giving you conditions now and then that don't, you know, end up in a perfect stand. 
it flexes monster, just like 13G will, and it's a little forgiving. So guys love that fact about that. So Yeah, yeah, that's what we like to see. Uh, beans, um, we're just kind of we're kind of biding our time before the the HT fours come, but but we got some good stuff to to get us there, especially with the the flex stuff. We do, Joe. Um, we've got the great Extend Flex line. Um, we're still actually running one rounder pretty to extend in the line, the two nine. You know, it's been a phenomenal bean for our area. Um, doesn't give us that Liberty option on that one, but the whole rest of our lineup does have that liber- Liberty option to it, and uh, you know we've got some great great beans from. 1.9 maturity all the way to a four or five, you know, so we're stacked in there with some good ones. And I tell you, you know, some key ones in your area, the, the 2.4 and 2.7, you know, phenomenal beans last year, anybody that had a 2.4, you know, came out of harvest going, Holy cow, that was a great bean. And the two sevens, they never look like they're great beans, but boy, they come through it, you know, at a year ago at harvest, it really took a cross on them variable acres and guys excelled with them. So well, let's talk about maybe some of the new things coming down the pike uh, for corns, you know, smart stacks pro, what is it? VT four pro. I mean, we pride ourselves on technology and, and research. So what are you excited about in the future for corn? First of all, well, for corn, you know, we've, and guys that have strip trials with us and the guys that, that go to the field days this fall, will get to see smart stacks pro, um, a new letter in our, Numbering acronym is a P, um, and that stands for Smart Stacks Pro. So any of the the numbers you see come out with this this year from a P um, are, are Smart Stacks Pro, which is going to bring the RNAI piece into it, um, give us another mode of action, if you will, Joe, to beat the the ever evolutionizing rootworm beetle that tries to constantly get ahead of every technology thrown at it. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we've, we've seen some breakthroughs in Nebraska, haven't we? We yeah. have, especially, you know, as you get extremely high pressures where it's been continuous corn forever. And it seems like you couple that with really dry weather. And that's the key where they really can kind of get ahead of it. And it, it, it what it is, it's extending hatch forever, mm-hmm. you know, and we, yeah. we, we keep seeing that. We keep seeing beetle hatch extend longer and longer every year. And that's, that's how they've evolutionized around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this new RNAI piece is we're back one, we're one up on them again, Joe. So <laughs> we can, uh, you know, interfere with that RNA and make them once more tolerant again. And we're back in yeah. the saddle. Yeah, but so. we'll still have smart stacks, right? For guys that don't have uh, the, the super pressure. We will. Um, your great smart stacks products that you're running now will have. Um, there's still smart stacks products in the breeding pipeline because you just don't flip a, you know, a, a product line that fast to a whole new, you know, technology launch. So um, aggressively working on it, yes. And we're also working on some others. You know, we've got the uh, VT4 Pro, which will give us the the option to go on maybe a less you know than excessive pressure rootworm field you know if it's just a second year corn or something like that joe is probably where it's targeted more for um not the exceptionally high rootworm pressure but the thing that does bring to it is it's bringing the tricepta piece into rootworm corn which guys have been really Mm, wanting and especially you know the last few years we've been battling western bean cutworm especially in the platte valley here hard um and they you know 
they can really devastate a yield and and guys are spending a lot of money especially this year you know to try and control those so if you can control it in the in the bag of seed that is amazing and it gives it finally we've got a corn on corn option as long as they're not more than than three years or so with with lower pressures of rootworms in those fields no it's going to be very nice so so beans we preluded the ht4s but uh What's that going to do for us when we when we can finally get those? You know what's HT four going to bring when it finally gets here? It's uh, going to add another mode of action. You know, right now with our Extend Flex beans, we've got uh, glyphosate, glufosinate, dicamba, and it's also going to bring a two four D piece into it too. So, will that be Bayer's own two four D development? Right, it will be correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and you know that's going to be one more thing. And you know, like we talked earlier, though the weeds are ahead of us now so we're constantly striving for that next one again and and to try and get uh, back ahead of those weeds and make it a lot easier to control them in the soybean fields well extend flex with the dicamba uh you know on the glufosinate option working well for us now and we will have some enlist beans to kind of tide us over too as well that's that's going to be new for the 2023 season so not a lot of data out but what can you tell us about uh uh, some E3 beans coming from Fontenelle. So Fontenelle will have an offering uh, of E3 beans. They're going to be called Connect is going to be the brand of them, Joe. So we will have that option for guys that, you know, due to whatever, you know, need to plant an, an E3 option versus the Extend Flex, which is really the superior option for weed control in the country. Uh, we will have that offering and there is plots out. So you'll see local data on it so you can see how they stack up. Um, so... That will be a, a new thing for us this year until we get it all put together in HT4 and bring that full package for growers. You know, we talked a lot about the RNAi technology, and uh, for folks that haven't really heard a lot about that yet, uh, tell tell us how that works because it in a lot of the COVID vaccines that, that was developed through that type of technology too. How are we going to transfer that into crops? So it's a, it's a basically interference in the RNA strand joe um and the resistance i guess you would say with you know whether it be a weed or an insect in this case it's insects and the the rootworm beetle if you can figure out that trigger that's that's allowing them resistance to the to the proteins that we're fighting them with and you can block that they're once again susceptible and that's where we're going with this. It'll give us a great avenue to, to try and beat this resistance piece, especially on that. And, you know, if we can get it worked into the weed line, even better. But, uh, no, it's a it's a great tool to have to start to get ahead of, of the constant evolving resistance issues we're dealing with. Great information so far. Uh, anything before we start to wrap things up that you wanted to, to mention? You're getting a lot of questions. I mean, your phone is going off all the time. Anybody that's ever ridden with you or been to uh, an event with you, um, what questions are you getting now here as we tape this late August? You know, a lot of a lot of the questions now are maybe why is some of the corn yellowing or what are these brown spots you know the guys are constantly out there looking now especially starting to peel ears and stuff because they're curious about what they've got in the field too and then they'll notice well geez i wonder what this brown spot is you know is it something that's detrimental or not or or how far is tar spot made it you know i've heard a lot of that on the press is is it made it to our area yet or 
is southern rust sneaking in on us? Is my fungicide going to last long enough to keep it out? That's a lot of the things on guys' minds right now. And, you know, the next things coming up will be how much longer do we got to water because these pivot ruts are getting so deep. I don't know if I can go around one more time, Joe, because mm-hmm. it, it's been a long battle this summer. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you what, with nothing in reserve and I, I, a lot of the, you know, moisture sensors we look at, guys aren't able to push water down this year. We've been, you know, it was pretty much depleted when we started and we fully depleted it now. So it's going to take everything you give it to finish. There's going to be nothing left out there for it to bank on. So guys are going to have to give it every last gallon this year, which we've kind of been spoiled and haven't had to for the last few. (laughs) That's it. That's right. That's right. So wrap it up. You mentioned you enjoy what you're doing. That's why you put on the miles. But uh, I I would think it's both – the fun of doing the crops thing, but the, but the people too, right? It is. You know, we've got a lot of great dealers and customers we work with, and, you know, you'd like to just say they're family. You know, it is because they're all personal personal friends of yours, and you really feel vested in each one of them's operation and take, you know, anything good or bad personally with that, you know, and it, it's tough sometimes when something don't work the way it's supposed to, but, uh, you know, you're fortunate to work with a great, great close-knit, you know, team that we do and and uh, group of operators, so. Yeah, yeah, that's why we call it Fontenelle Family, so that's, that's great that you brought that up, and what I uh, admire about you is uh, even guys with general farm questions, it wouldn't have to necessarily resolve, revolve around seed, but uh, you're always there to answer their questions and give your insights. So you, I, I think you enjoy it. I do. I do. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a great deal, you know. And it, like I said at the start of this, if you enjoy doing it, it's not really a job. It's just uh, another day. Right. So. Right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for uh, chatting up with us uh, a little bit, talking about this year and what's coming down the pike. And glad to have you with us. And uh, you're covering a big territory. You bet. Thanks a lot, Joe. Enjoyed it. Once again, thanks to Technical Agronomist for the Fontenelle brand. That was Chris Anderson joining us on the Fontenelle Family Podcast this time around. If you need more information on our products, uh, dealers, the FSRs for the area across the entire state of Nebraska for Fontenelle, remember to go to the website, fontenelle.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. I'm your host, Joe Gangwish. 